Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host, Jared Weich, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Definitely don't ever talk about football. Never. It doesn't happen here. Ever, never, ever. This is solely a video game podcast. We are not allowed. Um, but this week we have a, a special episode. There wasn't a whole lot of like super interesting news in the gaming world. There was like some stuff announced about Don't Nod and... Um, the bickering between PlayStation and Xbox for yeah. the Activision deal and all that stuff, but nothing like super, super interesting that we haven't already touched on weeks before. So I wanted to make this the Halloween episode where we talk about like horror games and Halloween specific stuff Ooh. as they relate to video games. So I have a Good list idea. of some stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, but first off, the simplest thing: uh, Are you pro Halloween, anti Halloween? Where do you fit in that scale, there, Dom? Um, to put it like conservatively. It's spooky season. Let's go. <laughs> Hell yes, I'm pro Halloween. Absolutely. All day. Yeah, this stretch is probably my favorite time of the year for obviously football and it being fall, which is like my favorite type of weather, fall into winter. I love the cold. Um, and then mm-hmm. obviously football and stuff. But also, uh, we get a lot of video game releases. But in terms of strictly holidays, we get the trifecta, which I love. I'm a big Halloween person. I love Halloween. I'm not necessarily the type that likes to dress up and go out and trick or treat, but the whole vibes of the Halloween season I really love. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving, obviously undefeated. Um, oftentimes, depending on the family you have or you yourself, it's some of the best food you'll have all year. Uh, and then Christmas is a, a good time too. Um, the music, the the vibes, all of that stuff. So I'm pretty excited. We're getting into the stretch. I'm pro Halloween as well. Um, yeah, I just don't know why anybody would be. I get maybe not liking Halloween if you're a scaredy cat and you just don't like being, like you're not a horror movie person or horror games or anything like that. But the curmudgeons who are like, no, no decorating, no none of this, no none. Of that. It's like, come on now, find some happiness somewhere. Like, why do you always got to be like that? Um, Halloween is what anyway. it's about. This is the time of year. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. So for the Halloween spectacular episode or spooktacular episode. Uh, so in honor of the spooky season and a lack of exciting gaming news this week, I thought we'd spend this time going over plenty of discussions and opinions regarding the niche but beloved horror gaming genre. So I want to start off with this. Uh, what thematic genre or game genre do we think makes the scariest combination when horror is added to it? So thematic genre being like, you know, sci-fi, historical fiction, all of that stuff. And then gaming genre obviously being the gaming genre. So I have a couple examples. Uh, I'll start with my first one for each of them, and then you can give me yours, Dom. Obviously, we might have similar answers. There might not be a lot of answers here. But for me, the first one, I mentioned it, science fiction. I think science fiction horror is really good because science fiction in general has a lot to do with the unknown and humans dealing with the unknown of space and what's going on in technology. So when you add in those horror elements, they work really well together because it also horror is a lot of the unknown and dealing with that. And uh, I think it plays on human discovery um, whenever, you know, for instance, like Dead Space, where you're in a spooky ship and things aren't working well. It's not it's not like a like a horror story necessarily happening on Earth where like you're you're in a, I don't know, a haunted mansion. You can leave the mansion and get to safety because it's the confines of, you know, what you know as a human when it's sci fi and things are not necessarily easy or understood or safe to any extent it's like oh you're in the middle of space or you're on this deserted alien planet or you know all this stuff that's where i think it gets really good what about you would you agree science fiction when you add horror to it is pretty solid you know and that's that's actually like kind of a subgenre of it that i'm not as familiar with like you know i would say i do love dead space of course and so like that's perfect example but getting into like movies and stuff i don't know that i've seen too much that like you know, uses horror to riff off of sci-fi elements, but it definitely makes sense what you're saying because you kind of, it, you get to use fictional, you know, devices, but they're explained and they do have their limits and, and rules. It's not like supernatural stuff where there are no clear rules or limits. And so sometimes I, I do get bummed out, like maybe a little bit on the more supernatural stuff where it's like, you could kind of just do what you want uh, and there's no, because supernatural, so there there aren't rules. We can't explain it. With at least sci-fi, there has to be at least like theoretical reasons that this alien is you know as scary and dangerous as it is, or what have you. Um, but I would say I really like 
anything like more historical actually so i have historical yeah. fiction written down too yeah that's always a good one because you're just limited as far as technology and resources and oftentimes more isolated just naturally because that's how it was right you know and, I, and I'm, a, I'm thinking of movies now too but more modern horror movies like, usually you have to like do things to get the characters to be isolated and like write in an excuse to why their phones don't work and and, and stuff like that whereas uh i think if something like uh the witch that movie was just you know this family literally gets kind of shunned and out you know sent out of their village and they're just in the middle of colonial nowhere just getting tormented um even though that's also some supernatural stuff going on there but the historical aspect of it i think i really like that because it really is just freaky and you really feel like you have nothing there's no like there's no like, oh, if I could just get to the police station, you know, a couple blocks away or, you know, it's kind of like you said, where like, even like the, once you're outside of the confines of, you know, your, your horror house or whatever it is, um, now it's just kind of, the whole place is just scary. That whole time period, a lot of times can be scary itself. Um, so I think I really like that. Yeah, it could be the middle of the day and people are just off put by what's going on. Uh, and I do think when directly comparing it to science fiction too, science fiction's like, Oh, if only you had access to the laser gun or the this or the that. Sure. The lack of technology, too, plays a big role, like you said, where a lot of times it's like, oh, you need to fasten a spear or you need to find something. You know, I really I, I've seen it very far and few between examples of this, but um, like high like high fantasy horror, that's not so much fantasy, but more historical based. I would mm -hmm. love to see more in that space. Yeah. Um because I do think there's a lot to work with there. Um, even stuff that could be naturally occurring that isn't so much supernatural. Like, you can base a whole horror story set in historical time periods from the past based on, like, the plague or stuff like that. Where it's yeah. going back to the misunderstanding of what's going on. I think that plays a lot in horror in general of people not really knowing what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on historical fiction. And then in terms of game genres, I think... If the developers and designers are good enough at their job, I think they can make any genre work. But for me, I think the ones that are the easiest for a horror game to thrive in are first-person games because obviously oh, yeah. you have that direct immersion. Um, and then when you throw in specifically either walking sims uh, where it's a slower pace and it's more creepy and it kind of builds on that tension, and then immersive sims too, which are kind of the same thing. I think third-person can be scary, but I do think it's much harder um, there are great examples of third-person horror games, even if you go to like a 2D platformer like Little Nightmares. But I do think that one, you have to rely a lot more on a controlled a controlled visual. Because I guess in third-person, you're seeing a lot more of the world at one point, whereas with first-person games, you can directly control the cone in which the player sees, right. which can elevate the tension and the, the, the scare factor of like either jump scares or like uh, fake outs and that type of stuff. So I would say first person is probably the ideal, uh, you know, perspective in game genres, any kind of first person, either exploration or even shooter. If you look at like the fear games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause yeah, as soon as you go out to third person, you just have obviously more vision than you have in first person and less immersion, but also you kind of have this, like the, the vision part of it comes with this, like, unnatural godlike ability to like control the camera from behind the person by like uh, it's just easier to manipulate the situation when you're in third person it feels like whereas in first person you're very limited to like you know what's what's in front of you and that's it so yeah that vision thing i think just goes a long way yeah i wanted to get into uh specifically i mentioned you know game design and development for horror games i want to talk about what aspects of that process do we think contribute to the best horror games for me, I wrote down four things, uh, and I want, I want to know if you want to add to them or agree on them. So the four things I wrote down that, in my opinion, make the best horror experiences. First of all, I think sound design is the most important. I think it adds to um, basically the whole sense of um, atmosphere, I would say. I think atmosphere in general i also wrote down but that's more of a vague one because i think that adds in a lot of things that adds in level design that adds in gameplay design that adds in sound design and pacing and all of that stuff um but for me sound design is most critical because i think if you can nail the sound design 
uh, you can make people scared without actually doing anything, right? Right. Um, just based on the environmental sound that's going on. Uh, I already mentioned an atmosphere, which is kind of more of a vague thing that kind of adds in a lot of stuff. Uh, tension building, which is a huge part of horror. I think good horror. I mean, some stuff relies a little heavy on jump scares, and depending on what it is, whether a movie or a game, the specific one it is, I think it can work. But I do think it's the moments between those scares where the tension is building, which kind of goes into sound design and stuff like that, where you can really elevate how somebody's going to interact or react to the next scare that's planned or that can be uh, kind of instigated by the player. And then lastly, pacing. This kind of goes hand in hand with tension building, where I do think letting scares or tense moments breathe and you give the player this false sense of security between those bigger moments adds to the scare. Uh, I think the best horror movies and horror video games aren't the ones where you're constantly scared. It's the ones where when you do get scared, it's elevated to an extent in which you haven't felt before. And a lot of that has to do with both the tension building and the pacing between that. So I think that's also pretty important. But those are my four. So sound design, atmosphere, tension building, and pacing. I think I, I really like pacing the most, and that's what I was going to add when we had got it. But there's something about um, finding the right balance, the right give and take of the amount of power you give, uh, sticking to games, you give the player. Um, thinking of something like Resident Evil, where it's, it's as much a survival game, too, where like you're limited on ammo and, and the stuff you can do. Um, and so that adds to that tension and everything else. Um, <clears throat> but there also still has to be progression. You have to feel like you're getting somewhere. So that's kind of a hard balance to, to draw. Of like, well, we want you to feel like you're, you're always a little underpowered and like, uh, you know, your resources can't hold up to all the things around you. But we also got to make sure you're progressing and getting stronger at the same time. So that's like a hard thing to do um, for, for games, especially. And then like kind of that still on the pacing thing and, and more of the part of it you're getting into. But that light at the end of the tunnel thing where like each uh, I recall playing. It's been a while. I'm excited for the Dead Space remake. It's been a while since I played it. Um, but each of those levels was kind of it ends with you getting back to your kind of shuttle. And then you'd get shuttled onto another another level of the the space station you're on, and each so each of those is like a checkpoint, right? You get to reload and and you know fill your health up and all that kind of good stuff, and then you're gone to a new area. And it always felt like oh, a relief, like oh, I got through that part. Oh man, that was messed up. I can't believe I served. You know that kind of relief, um, and then kind of again progressing, you know, getting some upgrades and some things like that. But then you're put into a new area where you start out feeling confident, but at, at the right pace, you have to start losing that confidence and have that, that dread start to build up, even though you kind of just went through that cycle of, of, of getting through something scary and then coming out. But it's just, that's the whole point of it is kind of going through those cycles of regret. Like all of that stuff, is like, that's like crucial to game design for, for horror games. I don't know all the details and specifics about how they do it. I just, I just know I like it when it's done well. Well, and the funny thing, too, is horror games, in a way, are kind of the antithesis of general game design because general game design is about a power fantasy, like letting the player feel as if they're fulfilling some sort of power fantasy, right? But with horror games, a lot of the time, they take that power away from you. Like, the whole point of it is you're powerless, right? Yeah. And it's you trying to overcome whatever's in your way. So I think that's really interesting, too. Um, I, I split this where, next thing. That's where you get into the difference between, like, a horror game versus a horror adventure or action adventure like a like a resident evil is more action adventure slash horror i guess something like a uh outlast is just you know that's just horror because yeah you have no weapons or anything so hey that's kind of a i guess that's a good a good job by genres describing things for us yes survival horror versus like yeah uh this next category i kind of split into two so one is going to be uh, some scary moments in gaming, like specific moments in specific video games. Uh, and two is going to be characters, bosses, or enemies I wrote down that are maybe they're equal parts like scary or disturbing or off-putting. Uh, so the first one I have here is any scare in PT. <laughs> and any oh, yeah. scare in PT qualifies for this. That game is 
well, demo is very good at pacing, tension building, all the stuff we talked about. Um, very creepy, and yeah, any any time uh, Lisa scares you in that game, it's absolutely horrifying. I'm gonna go through them, and then you can mention which ones were your favorite or any you want to add. Uh, next up, an underrated one: the man bat jump scare in Arkham Knight. I think is really good. Uh, when you're just flying around the city, and then out of nowhere, he pops up on the top of a building to scare you. Uh, I thought that was really well done, and a lot of people didn't expect that. Um, speaking of Dead Space, the elevator necromorph at the beginning of the game, when you're getting into the elevator, and it opens up the elevator door and is, like, spinning and twisting to try to get inside. I, think I remember that, yeah. Yeah, pretty terrifying. Um, what else? Oh, so this one is not a specific moment, but it is. Uh, so in Bloodborne, um, is what's the name of the – is it intellect, the stuff you gather? Insight. Insight. When you have enough insight and the monsters of madness appear in the world. Yes. Oh, that is terrifying from the sense of like personal privacy and not understanding the world around you of like, oh, this entire time there have been right. these things around me and I just couldn't see them. When and that's some of the that, scariest stuff. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I hadn't thought of that. I was thinking in Dead Space, actually it might be Dead Space 2 where it's not a jump scare or anything weird, but it's when you have to like, use that needle device to poke into your own eyeball i yep oh man that's just so, and it's so like detailed and it just it yep it, it goes right in there and you're controlling the it's like a crane game but with isaac's eyeball weird <laughs> two more moments i have the margaret baker jump scare in re7 when yeah. you are just walking around the back end of the like this the, the more swampy area of the house and she like pops up out of nowhere with her creepy ass face and uh, this one's a little bit more specific, too. The first time you run into a big daddy in Bioshock, I think it's pretty scary. Uh, they, they're just their they're weight and mass, and they just they did a good job of designing that, also from a sound design perspective as well. Um, so those are the moments. I'm going to get to the characters real quick, and then we'll, we'll get to you if you want to add any on either of them, Dom. So I wrote down Gaping Dragon. To me, Gaping Dragon from the original oh, yeah. Dark Souls has always been one of the more grotesque designs in all of Dark Souls. It's just this weird dragon that can flip on its back. Its entire body is kind of exposed as teeth. Um, I think it's a really good design. The way it creeps up off of that waterfall and you barely see its head first, and then it fully reveals itself. Add into it, it like spews that acid in its own little boss dungeon. Um, any of any of the the giant rats in any of the Souls games are pretty gross too. I didn't write that down, but I just thought of that. Um, Angie from Resident Evil Village just creepy dolls are an easy go-to for horror and that thing is really oh, yeah. awful uh orphan of cause is pretty disturbing uh just based on the environmental design of that boss and then when you find out the story about him as well uh just the, the giant dead horse laying on the beach is pretty gross um yeah and then obviously anybody i've mentioned as a jump scare so like margaret baker so on and so forth is there anything there you want to add any bosses enemies characters or moments that stand out yeah, definitely. And like what I'm going to notice here is or what I'm just not noticing is it's interesting when you have a game that is like through and through a horror, you know, like a Dead Space, Resident Evil versus something more like a Dark Souls where there's just sections of that game that are particularly spooky. Um, so another one to add is when um, you empty out, uh, you open a dam basically or a big door that's a dam. And then you can now go into the new Londo runes and it's just so creepy down there. And all the enemies are these very transparent ghosts that unless you have the like right specters, right, yeah. you can't, you can't hurt them. And so they, they seem weak, um, but then they can like latch onto you and do big damage, that kind of thing. But uh, that whole section is just very creepy and, and well done. And the boss of that section too, where you just, you dive into a pit where you normally think you would die. But if you, again, wearing the right item, that you get from our boy Artorius, then you survive and, and face the boss down there, the four kings, who you fight just in the abyss. Both literally, and that's what it looks like. It's just black. There's no edges, there's no platforms, there's nothing. It's just black. And it's just you and, and these bosses. And that whole thing is just messed up and pretty cool. I'd also add in <clears throat> um in Zelda Ocarina of Time, there's a couple moments of First of all, those enemies, they're called Rededs, just like plain 
looking zombie dudes, just naked zombies, basically. But they, if you run through their field of vision, or it's more like a line, if you run across their eye line, they'll freeze you. And you're just stuck in place while they slowly creep towards you. And as soon as, like, they freeze you, they let out this, like, high-pitched screech when it happens. And you're just stuck. And your controller's not working. And this thing is just slowly creeping towards you. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I can't get out. What am I going to do? Um, if he was far enough away, you'll be able to break free. But if not, he just jumps and latches, wraps his arms and legs around you and just sucks off half your health or whatever. So those those redeads from Ocarina of Time are always always spooky and then also like in that same game how one of the temples you go to you access at the bottom of this well in kakariko village so like the shadow temple is how you get to it and that whole temple itself is spooky kind of like bloodborne you get a device that lets you see things that you couldn't see otherwise um so like that that adds to it the whole thing is just dark and spooky and um all sorts of creepy stuff in that whole level we could go on about but yeah i so yeah, Dark Souls, Ocarina of Time both do a lot of things like that are, you know, the rest of Zelda game, that Zelda game is just bright and colorful, nice fields and things like that. But then there's sections that get spooky. Um, and I think that's cool when it's done right. It can, it can be very effective. Same with Dark Souls and many others. Well, even, uh, I forget the name of the, the undead caves in the first Dark Souls where it's like pitch black and you can just see the, the skeletons oh, yeah. creep out of the darkness is pretty yeah. terrifying. One. Uh, another one that I think is a, a, a double a, a double scare uh, for specific people, but definitely a single scare for most people playing Dark Souls is the uh, the the frogs uh, that basically turn you to oh, stone. Yeah. There's a lot of people who get scared of those things because they do look weird, very off-putting when you first see them with their giant fake eyes, their mimic <laughs> eyes. Uh, but then they become even more terrifying when you find out what they're actually capable of. Uh, so that that's yeah. pretty funny. Um, you know, talking about Legend of Zelda, I think one thing too that's pretty pretty interesting with video games is the unintentionally horrifying and scary parts of them. I knew somebody who developed a fear of uh, deep water, Dom, because of the section in Super Mario 64 where you run into that giant eel you know, the really big eel underwater. Yes, yeah. And they become, they played it as a child. They became absolutely terrified and they've had a, a fear of deep water ever since and that thing still bothers them. So I think that's pretty good to mention there as well because, yeah, especially when you're a kid, man, things, I imagine there's tons of kids growing up who played like Minecraft who got into a dark cave system and ran into a bat or a creeper and absolutely terrified them. Like, yeah, just it's funny how sometimes just game design in general can make things terrifying. Another moment I wanted to mention, uh, pretty iconic scary moment in video games is in fear when you're climbing down a ladder and the the like ghost girl pops up at the top of the ladder as you're going down and she laughs very creepily. Uh, very, very terrifying. I mean, yeah. fear in general, I think, I is pretty underrated game. in terms of horror games because it's like, oh, yeah. it's a first person shooter. It's like, yeah, but it's also a horror trilogy. It's very off putting. Because that's the whole thing with the power dynamic, right? Is whenever you play a video game where you have a gun, you're like, oh, I don't have to worry, you know? Right. <laughs> but, you have, like, a full mm -hmm. assault rifle in that game. Like, you're, like, very armed, and yet it's terrifying. Yeah, I, 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 they, that's the remaster we need. We need we need fear. Let's go in on we this. We need fear. Let's start it. So let's make a list of the best horror games, uh, whether scariest or best in genre. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that scared you the most. It's just like, oh, this is just a great horror game. I've listed some. Uh, you'll probably have some of these as well, dumb on your mind. And if I miss any, please feel free to mention them too. So first off, I have Until Dawn. This mm -hmm. goes in the category of one of the best in genre. I don't think Until Dawn is necessarily like scary, but I do think as a horror piece of entertainment, I think it does a really good job. Um, I would po possibly still consider it. Let me think. I haven't finished the Quarry. I would still mm -hmm. consider it probably Supermassive's best work, in my opinion. Out of all of the the uh, anthology stuff in it, I'd probably say it's my favorite. What about you? Not Excluding the quarry, because I don't have a argument in that because I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, that would be the only um, contender. And uh, it's been too long since I played Until Dawn, but I think I might like the quarry better, but obviously, yeah. So I, I naturally, I recommend it to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll add the quarry on this list too. Then that naturally makes sense. Um, I'm assuming you'd have it on this list, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, next up, Little Nightmares 1 and 2 for me. Uh, I think these are great because they take a genre that normally isn't attached to horror games, 2D platformers, and they make it work. They're creepy. They're mysterious. You don't exactly know what's going on. Um, the claymation they use for the enemies in these games is nasty in the best way possible. Um, whenever you're a character who is both thematically and literally smaller than everything else in the world around you, I think that's a good way to induce a sense of hopelessness, and that's why I think it works so well. Um, I don't have these on the list because I wouldn't consider them horror games, but I do think Limbo and Inside have a lot of horror elements to them, uh, a lot of scary parts. Limbo more so than Inside, I think. Uh, I don't know. The kid, the the long-haired like mermaid kid is pretty terrifying in Inside. Uh, especially with the physics, like going back to Dark Souls Dom with the weird spider ladies. Anytime there's like long hair and water, it's super weird to me. I don't like it. Like a lot of hair and water mm-hmm. is not a vibe I'm looking for. The way um, it kind of fans out and gets all stringy and like polluted looking. Yeah, exactly. Just unnatural. Uh, PT, of course, not technically a game, but like any list involving horror video games has to have PT on it. And it's just such a shame we never got the full game. Uh, what could have been? Um, next up, Dead Space. Uh, for me personally, I'd say Dead Space 1 and 2. 3, obviously I don't have to go on about how it kind of lost the core of what Dead Space was. Um, hopefully, Remake uh, will be on this list too in the future. And Callisto Protocol, Dom. That'd be awesome if we both consider those really good. I mean, the first Dead Space remake, I don't think they can really mess that up too much. Mm-hmm. This one was interesting. So doing research for this podcast, Dom, I came across a PS2 game that I completely eliminated from my mind and forgot playing. Do you remember The Suffering? No. Google this game real quick. You might not have played it. You might have missed it. But I saw this name, and I was like, whoa, that's a name I haven't heard in two decades. And I looked it up, and it all came back to me. It's a horror game where you play as this guy escaping prison, and like everyone's like weird mutated monsters and stuff. And I remember being scared playing this game, but actually really enjoying my time with it. And yeah, it's a game I completely forgot about entirely. Uh, but the moment I saw the name, the suffering, it like, I had like a, that's so Raven moment where like, yeah, exactly. So, um, who knows if it's actually any good. I played it as a kid, but my kid brain absolutely thought it was the scariest thing ever. And I do think, a prison is always a good setting for a good horror story. So that's a good one too. Yeah. I don't think about that. Cause you're obviously things are against you. There's cages all over, etc. Uh, I only have a couple more left and then you can add any that I'm missing here. Amnesia, the dark descent or amnesia machine for pigs. I think those games are really good. They're more in the outlast, which I also have on this list, uh, type of horror games where you don't really have anything to fight back. And it's more about surviving and figuring out what's going on. Um, more psychological horror with amnesia it, and the story itself is crazy. Uh, visage, which is a rather new one. Are you familiar with visage? No. This is one that takes place in a single house. Uh, very spooky. It's very dark. You can Google this one too. It got a lot of, uh, popularity because the demo came out for it and streamers and people were playing it and it's really scary. There's like a camera you can use to record stuff. Um, the tension and, uh, atmosphere in this game is pretty crazy. Uh, it's a small house that you walk back and forth and you have to close doors and open doors and turn on lights and turn off lights. And yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. Commies by surprise. I'm, I'm watching some gameplay. It's, yeah, it's just a ceiling fan going creepy. But <laughs> yeah, this is, that and the software, I've never heard of this. I gotta like get into deeper cuts of horror games yeah and i'm not trying to laud the suffering as anything special it just was one of those games you played as a kid that you completely forgot about i was like the suffering i saw that name i was like is it what i think it is um it's kind of like when i remembered what's the name there's a 13 ghosts i think is the name of the horror movie have you ever seen that movie no so i saw that name (coughs) excuse me and i was like 13 ghosts what is that and I Googled it, and I was like, I totally remember watching this horror movie. And it's about these people that have to go and, like, capture these 13 spirits. And then they find out they're all trapped underneath this, like, glass house. Uh, 
it's kind of like Cabin in the Woods before Cabin in the Woods, but it isn't as like okay. irreverent and meta as Cabin in the Woods, but kind sure. of the same vibe of like, oh, we're going to look at the horror tropes and kind of put our own twist on it. Uh, when I watched it, uh, it was a good movie. Like I said, kid brain, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, and then the uh, sorry, I already mentioned Outlast, Visage. Last one, I don't have a personal connection to this, but based on there, – there's two of them. I don't have any personal connection to them, but based on what they did for both gaming and the horror space, Slenderman and Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's these days obviously gets a lot of hate and you know people think it's cringy and all this stuff. But when it originally came out, it like captured the attention of like a certain age group across the world. Like kids were absolutely terrified of Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, just yeah, animatronics have always been creepy in general. So making a game based in that kind of world was a really smart idea. And then Slenderman, obviously the fascination with that that led to uh, the unfortunate circumstance of those two girls with um, mental illness killing that other girl and all that stuff. Like. Obviously, I don't want to put a spotlight on that, but Slenderman in general has become a known horror entity, and I think that's all you can ask for when you're creating a horror property is, like, you mention the monster of it and people know what it is. Like, you mentioned Slenderman. Your your mom might not know specifically what it looks like, but they're like, oh, the, the game that, you know, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I wanted to mention that as well. And, that's, and so that's Bioshock, pretty- I guess I'll throw in. I mentioned it earlier, but I yeah. didn't mention it on this list. Because that is, um, I think that fits in horror, whereas I think Bloodborne is like, maybe you wouldn't call it a horror game, but I think you could still. Um, Honestly, I think it depends on who you ask. I think for me or you, we wouldn't necessarily consider it a horror game, but uh, there's certain people out there that find that game terrifying. People find like the Dark Souls game scary too. I think the the perspective on that is there some of those games where they, depending on who you ask, (laughs) they might be considered horror games. We talked about fear. I would probably put that on my list because that was like one of the, that might've been the, the first scary game I ever played on 360. And I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, it was exhilarating, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but a big one that I definitely would add is Alan Wake. Absolutely adore Good that point. Shit. Yep. Um, slightly different kind of thing. Not, you know, not so much of the gruesome stuff as some of the other games we've talked about, but got this cool, like, storytelling going on where your character is uh, narrating along the way and things are split up into chapters in a kind of cute way because he's writing, he's an author and um, things like that. You're limited on um, weapons, really, like, you just use a flashlight and a handgun, and that's kind of the flashlight is a pretty important mechanic, but like, the way it all works, you're in this, like, you know, small town and a lot of shadows, a lot of really uses darkness and uh, shadows to, to make it scary, thus the flashlight being important. But yeah, I definitely couldn't go on without mentioning Alan Wake. Um, Before anybody comes at us, Dom and I have like no experience with Fatal Frame or Silent Hill either, so that's why neither yes. of those are on the list. I mean, PT's <laughs> technically Silent Hills, but yeah, yeah, that's why neither of those are on our list. I was, <laughs> was going to say that because I never played any Silent Hill games, but that's like, that's probably on almost everyone else's list, but yeah, I've never. Couldn't Remember, this you. is our list of games yeah. we've played. So, uh, another one I think is borderline. I'm. It might have a case control right there with Alan Wake. I think control Good has point. some very scary parts, and a lot of it is yeah. the supernatural. Right. I remember when you run across that guy who's not allowed to blink, and then when you oh. leave, he like starts screaming for you to come back. Oh man, it's terrible. Uh, awful. I would, I would probably add myself, and it's tough between Resident Evil Seven and the remake of Two. But I'd probably go with seven as a better horror game. Two might be the better game overall, but um, as a horror game, seven I think is it's just a bit better. It's just it's creepier the way uh, the family is just so unhinged and it doesn't rely so much on some of those sci-fi elements and some of the action stuff that um, the other Resident Evil games get into that kind of thing. I can't so wait I'd for us to play four, the remake of four. I'm really yes. interested in that. Oh, I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back to the idea of things that weren't supposed to be scary but were, you know what was pretty off-putting as a kid? Lavender Town and Pokemon when you go to the cemetery. And if you were to pull up the music from Lavender Town, it's the most uneasy 
music in Pokemon. A lot of Pokemon music is very good. It's cheerful. It's uplifting. You put on that lavender uh, soundtrack, and it is you're gonna feel uncomfortable. It's very good work. I mean, in general, anybody who made soundtracks for uh, you know the original Game Boy or any of those de- limited devices is astounding because you're working with so much little on the technology end of things that the way in which you can get that many different songs that all sound uniquely their own is fascinating. But yeah, and you find out about like the the dead. Uh, the the Cubone and the dead Marowak, and you have to use oh, like the silkscope to see the the yeah. hidden ghosts and all that stuff. I think it was pretty scary as a kid. Add on to the anime, the Sabrina episode, where like Haunter kills Ash and he becomes a ghost, and then Sabrina herself is like terrifying this weird goth girl, uh, which probably spurred a lot of interest from, uh, either uh, <clears throat> straight men or. Uh, you know, lesbian or bisexual women into a whole thing of being into emo emo girls, but like as a kid, it was terrifying. She was so weird and creepy, and yeah, ghost type Pokemon in general have always been really off putting. Um, I guess lastly, we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the episode in terms of like, did we like Halloween or did we not? Um, I guess we can give me your one of your favorite Halloween memories if you have one. Ooh. And if you want to think about it, I can give you one of mine. Yeah, you go first. So my favorite Halloween memory. As I said, I was never somebody who like was super excited to dress up. I did as a kid for sure, but it wasn't like the thing I was into. I was more into like get playing horror video games or horror movies and just the whole vibe of the decorations and all of that stuff. Like uh along with my dad, I just love decorating the house and scaring people. Um but I remember one time so for context, my mom is a former uh she's um, what's the best way to phrase this? She worked at a a high end prison for a long time, so she, in criminal justice, has kind of been her career path her entire life. So she's a very aware and astute person, and always assured of her surroundings. So as a kid, I was maybe like seven or eight years old. Me and my sister, uh, we she takes us to a haunted house, and <laughs> now. Basically, we're walking through this haunted house, getting scared, spooky, yada, yada, yada. Being a correctional officer, like my mom, you have to be very uh, reactive to things, right? So yeah. this guy yeah. went and grabbed her foot to scare her. Yeah. And in the blink of an eye, she turned and cold cock kicked him in the face. Yeah. Apologized to him afterwards profusely. She was so sorry about it. But it was one of the funniest moments because it was so reactionary. Uh, and as a kid, I was kind of like, I was terrified the entire time. But when my mom got, my, my mom's foot got grabbed, just her immediate reaction, after that point, I was like, oh, I'm cool. I'm, I'm Gucci going into any of these places. I don't have to worry because something tries to grab me. My mom has it. But I thought it was so funny. I felt so bad for the guy. But, uh, you know, fuck around and find out, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's his I, job. I'm making a joke of it. I'm making light of it. But, yeah, it was really funny. There's okay. I'm glad you went first because that reminds me. We used to have in our town, and they got rid of it. it was not a haunted house, but the same idea, except there was through this forest, you know. Um, and there would be like, like a sections. pumpkin patch vibe type thing. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it was it was it was scary because you'd be kind of taken through it, guided by this like rope. So everyone's supposed to hold on to the rope. So that's kind of like gotcha. your, your, okay. your track, more or less. And whoever is at the front, I guess, knows where they're going. And you get you know pulled along a path and through different things they set up. Like some some parts of it were indoors that you go through, and so it it hit like all the different types of horror tropes. You know, we had like clowns and chainsaws and all sorts of different stuff. Um, and they used to do that every year. Ah, it was so spooky. Um, so I definitely remember doing that a couple times as a kid. That yeah. Haunted houses are just cool. Like, scary. Not, then they had to go and make movies about it, though, going wrong. And now it's like, I don't know if I could ever do it again after seeing some of that. Uh, <laughs> um, favorite Halloween costume as a kid? <laughs> oh, man. It's tough. Like, I'm not My favorite one was corny. It was pretty corny, but I loved it. Zombie football player. My mom oh, would nice. do up my makeup yeah. to make me look like a zombie, and then I'd put on my Yaffle, which is our, like, youth football league yaffle football gear and i was a zombie football player and i loved it because i got to wear my football gear and i was a zombie so (laughs) as a kid i was stoked that is a good one 
I definitely, because I'm not big on costumes either, um, but I definitely remember one party in college just full on did the whole Joker thing. Granted, not very original, of course, especially at that time. Um, that's what everyone did. But I did go, I, I went and found a purple suit at Goodwill and um, uh, got some temporary hair dye and all that kind of stuff and uh, face paint. So it, it looked good. Um, if, you know, not the most unique uh, idea, but. Otherwise, I, I'm not sure. I definitely, I remember being Jar Jar Binks when I was really young. Um, and I'll, I'll stand up for Little that. Little Dama's Jar Jar Binks. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll stand up for that all day. And uh, God bless you on my best because you're awesome. Um, but That's the most on-brand Dom costume I could have imagined yeah, yeah, is yeah. you as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I think it was like kindergarten and first grade I had that. Um, that costume and it was funny because you know it's it's what you think he's just kind of wears like like the silky black robe looking thing but then the costume just like had a hood that went over your head except it had this big flap of a of a mask in front of it with his long whatever mouth i don't know what you call it but (laughs) yeah uh that reminds me um i my mom made me a gimli costume um nice and uh, it was right when it had to be like right after Fellowship released, or yeah. maybe yeah, because what was that? Two thousand one. Sounds right. Yeah, so I was like or ten or eleven or something, and I was like, I really want to be Gimli, uh, the dwarf character. And she's like, okay. So she bought me an axe that looked similar, because at the time there wasn't like a whole you didn't couldn't find like a Lord of the Rings costume like that. Right. Uh, so she bought me an axe. She bought me a fake beard that I put on. And then she went and got uh, balloons and made pa- a paper mache helmet. Uh, and uh, me and her worked on it and painted it and stuff to make me a dwarven helmet. And it was really cool. I was nice. I completely forgot about that until you mentioned the Jar Jar Binks one. Because I was like, did I have any on-brand costumes as a kid? Because funny enough, as much as I love Pokemon, I never dressed up as like a Pokemon trainer. Which in hindsight seems weird that I never did that. Because um, that'd be easy enough. But I guess you think train. about it. Pokemon came out like in 98. And then... Lord of the Rings was in 2001, and the new trilogy was, what, 99 was the first one for Star Wars? Yeah, 99, yeah. Yeah, so I might just have never had a chance to be the Pokemon trainer. Just so many other things caught my interest. But, yeah, Gimli and uh, and the zombie football player were, were probably my favorites. Man, the number of people who dressed up is the, the guy from Scream 2. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. That was, like, the oh, most over... Yeah, so easy. Yeah. Such an easy costume. You mentioned the Joker, and I was like, what was another overplayed costume? And it was like, yeah, the, the Scream person. Yeah. Because that, you know, and it worked so well because that was in the movie where, like, they were all wearing it and going to Halloween parties wearing it. And so it kind of, like, had that meta effect, even though it was, like, the simplest, most lazy costume you could get. Um, I think it was effective. It was kind of cool. While we close out and end the show, uh, I kind of want to skip over what we've been playing to save that for next week when we talk about games. But before we go, Dom, I want you to recommend to listeners one game and one movie that they should watch this Halloween season. Oh. I mean, we've talked about a lot of games. I'm, I want to think of something a little more, you know, a little different. Because, like, probably Fear would have been the one I would have picked that, like, maybe not as many people have heard of. Um, Bioshock we talked about. And actually, you know what I'm going to say? I'm, we did, we never mentioned is, um, I'll say Dying Light. Granted, I've not played the newer one, but the original Dying Light, really great game just in general. Like, cool uh, parkour, jumping around um, a city and killing zombies and stuff. But um, day-night cycle, and of course, when it became nighttime, those zombies got way faster, way more aggressive, and there were more of them. And it was terrifying, and sometimes you'd get stuck out at night, basically, in the game, and it's a really cool mechanic and pretty, uh, pretty unique, I think. So I'm going to say, play Dying Light. It's a good game. And to myself, I'm going to get around to that sequel one of these days, too. Uh, I don't even know what the subtitle is. It's not Dying Light 2, but um, for a movie, um, I'm going to ask you to go next and tell us a game while I figure out what movie I want to recommend. <laughs> Uh, my game is easy. It's a game that I think not enough people have played, and that's Little Nightmares 1 and 2. I think it's so unique that a 2D platformer can capture what a horror game is and do it effectively and do it well. And 
like Limbo and Inside, which I mes- mentioned earlier in the show, I love games that have ambiguous endings and let you just sit with it and kind of understand from your own perspective what you think happened based on the information you gathered. And I think Little Nightmare, uh, Little Nightmares 1 and 2 both do that really well. And the ties between them is really good. Uh, and they're you can probably get them pretty cheap at this point, too. They're probably on some type of sale for the holiday or something, I'd imagine. I don't, I don't think they're on Game Pass, but yeah, I definitely recommend those two games. And I, I might try those out then, because I've, I've heard a bit... I mean, I don't think I've heard you talk about them until today, but they come up every so often. And they, they've definitely been on sale, too. I think you're right. So I'm going to have a look. But, um, for a movie, uh, I figured it out because it, it was obvious. And... <clears throat> Definitely my favorite horror movie of all time. I think that, I don't know. I'll think about that longer. Maybe I'll find something else. But definitely go see Get Out. Um, or rent it at this point, of course. So, more of a kind of obvious satirical horror movie. But just so well done. And the way it um, it kind of picks on different types of people and, and different situations. And, and it's, t- it's truly terrifying um, through a lot of it. Um, not overly gruesome, but uh, really creepy, and uh, I, 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 I don't know. I just really liked it. I think for Jordan Peele's stuff, I think it was better than his, his second movie, Us. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend uh, Get Out really to anybody to go see. So I'm gonna cheat here. Get Out is great. It's a great recommendation, and not a traditional horror movie experience, but in the best way possible. I think I, I really like that. That. I didn't even have that on on my because I was looking up you, some. Um, you could movies. almost call it a suspense or a thriller. You might, but I I still think it's still a horror movie. I think most people who weren't happy about January sixth would consider it a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just put it that way. way. It, yeah. Uh, so I I'm gonna cheat and I have three. So okay. my sci-fi yeah. one, one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies is A Quiet Place. Unfortunately, I still haven't gone around to seeing the sequel. <laughs> still haven't seen it first one i really love though i think uh, in terms of tension building and stuff i think it's such a neat concept i uh, really enjoyed it a more heady one that i don't think is for everybody but i absolutely loved it and if you are the type of person who likes hard sci-fi i think annihilation is a really good movie um but that one is very heady <clears throat> uh yeah and I, some people might not even consider it a horror movie but i think there's elements to that are pretty terrifying but my like general uh, recommendation that is the most traditionally horror movie and probably one of my favorites is Midsommar. That movie is wild. Uh, I love Florence Pugh as an actress. She does a phenomenal job. That movie just builds on itself. It's like slow build, slow build, yeah. slow build. Holy shit, holy shit, holy, like out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's really good. I think it does a good job of, leading the audience to have certain suspicions. And though some of those suspicions end up being true, it's not even to the extent you would even imagine. Um, And I think the way it hits you in the face with some of its more shocking elements isn't like torture porn. It's, it's really well done and it's meant to be in that specific part of the movie to build towards what else it adds to the end of it. Um, You're not going to leave that movie happy. Uh, I'll tell you that much <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it is, I think any piece of art that can instill and engage any sort of emotional reaction uh, is effective, whether that's critically well received or not. And with Midsommar, if anything, that movie will leave you feeling something. And I think that's tremendous. And as a horror experience, I think it's really good. And I, I I'm kind of bummed that I took so long to actually watch it. Cause I'd heard so many good things about it. I feel the exact same way about a different movie from that guy. I forget his name, but Hereditary. Um, Haven't watched it on my list. Oh, I, it's it's. I I know at this point it's like it's the obvious pick. Like, oh, you like a twenty four movies and horror or whatever. But like, it's just good. I don't care. It's just incredible and just scary in all the right ways and unsettling in all the right ways. So it's it's similar to midsummer and in some of the ways it does like shocking things like that um but it's a different a different vibe overall though it's much like darker where you know midsummer is like mostly in day daylight um which is kind of a cool thing about that one but yeah hereditary is just it's 
terrifying, like all the horror elements that you expect, but there's also, it does this kind of dread from a, a family element that has nothing to do with anything supernatural or otherwise that's just terrifying and horrible. like generational despair is what i've heard like it kind of plays on that idea of like familial uh yeah weight essentially i don't want to say to definitely watch the, just watch it for sure so i've been fun. i've been trying to watch at least one horror movie a week during october just for the vibes and a movie i recently watched that i got on high recommendation is the lodge have you ever watched that movie yes yeah it was pretty good i like that one yeah that movie I really like because it was an original take on because uh, you kind of think you know what's going on. And I love the twist yeah. at the end of that movie, uh, kind of the double twist. There's a first twist uh, in relation to the people in the house and there's the other twist afterward. Um, yeah, really good. That actress, I think, needs to be in more stuff. I think she's a really good actress. Riley Keough, I think is her name. Um, oh, I hadn't seen her before that movie. She was in one called. Um... Oh. Man. There's a movie called The Invitation that I'm I'm told I should watch too. That's also a horror movie. Yeah, I think that just recently came out. With um... no, I don't think so. Let's see. I'm gonna look I'm it up real quick. Then. Okay, like so there you're team. right. There is a movie called The Invitation that came out this year. That's not the one I'm thinking of. It's the one that okay. came out in 2015. Okay, then that one I think I have seen, and if it's what I'm thinking of, it's real. a man accepts an invitation to a dinner party. It stars yeah. Logan Marshall Green, who's like knockoff. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, definitely watch Tom that Hardy. It's really good. Yeah, that's on my list too. <laughs> so I'll, 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 that and Hereditary will be the two I make sure to watch this month. Um, yeah, that's it for our Halloween spooktacular. Thank you guys for joining us. That was a fun episode. Talk about all the spookies. Um, like I said, we'll talk about what we've been playing and get back to the video game news next week. Uh, other than that, you can follow us on YouTube at Controlled Interest. Search us up. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Comment, let us know what your favorite Halloween memory is, your favorite horror movie, horror movie game, horror movie or game we should check out. Uh, other than that, you can follow us on Twitter, collectively at CTRLINT. It's controlled interest, it's abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared Weich, that's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-I-C-H-E. And you can follow Dom at OB Dom Kenobi, but the O in OB is the number zero, not the letter O. Thank you guys for listening. On any Spotify, Google Play, any of the podcast services of your choice. Uh, anything before we go on this Halloween spooktacular, Dom? Get yourself spooked. Get yourself spooked. See you guys next week.